Welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, June 24th, 2022. And what a day and what a week it was. So let's just go right to the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade that happened uh, several hours ago. And uh, we're going to cover uh, the gun law. We're going to cover uh, the New York Supreme Court decision with concealed carry. But I want to go right to uh, the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade. And uh, with that said, it was a 6-3 decision. And I, I just found it funny that a lot of the news wouldn't give us the vote on it. For some reason, they didn't want to tell us that it was a 6-3 decision with John Roberts siding with the conservatives. Um, one, uh, I think it was Newsweek had a report that it was 5-4. And, you know, again, this goes with its narrative that this was a super split decision and, uh, um, it was just based along uh, conservative lines and uh, throwing John Roberts in there just, uh, you know, blows that narrative to smithereens. So what I want to do is I, I just want to play a clip of Senator Elizabeth Warren with her meltdown. And let's go to this clip and then we'll just come back and discuss Spitting mad over this. We have six extremist justices on the United States Supreme Court who have decided that their moral and religious views should be imposed on the rest of America. So, Senator Warren, infanticide is moral? Is that what you're saying? Because Roe v. Wade has led to late-term abortion. So where's the morality there? Now, quite frankly, I believe you're immoral for allowing that. So again, you know, this is this is another case. Now, the Democrats and the left wing, they're, they're, they're trying to define morality the way they want to define it, just like they did with science. So it's their morality. It's their science. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's not most Americans. And I want to go back to this interview because the, the person I was interviewing, I think it was from CNN, she asked a question about whether this is really, and I'm talking about uh, Roe v. Wade, a significant issue with the Democrats, because historically it's been a significant issue with Republicans and conservatives over the years. So, you know, Warren's out there saying, we're going to fight this. We're going to take this to the ballot. We're going to we're going to uh, fight this wherever we can. And she's trying to gin up the Democrats and voters for November on this. So let me just play the clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Hopefully, though, Senator, this issue, as important as it is to a number of Democrats, uh, you're a perfect example of that, has never been the rallying tool for Democrats that it has been for Republicans. This has been an effective rallying tool for decades in terms of getting to this moment for many conservatives. So what's going to change between now and November? The Republicans who have worked for decades knowing that they could never pass this through Congress. They could never get it through a state ballot initiative. They worked on getting it through getting extremist judges through. Notice just yesterday, this same set of extremists said, oh, it is not possible to let the state governments get engaged on the question of guns. It is important to have federal protection for guns. Well, I'm telling you, the rest of us are ready to rally back and say it is important to have federal protection for people who are pregnant. Oh, she's so misleading. 
And did you hear a hiccup in the background when the reporter was asking the question? She's either drinking or she's so upset she's she sounds like she has Tourette's. I mean, I don't want a senator that responds to anything like that. So anyway, she is disingenuous. She is misleading on this. Because it was only last September where the House passed a resolution codifying Roe v. Wade, but it got dumped in the Senate. So they can't even pass an abortion bill today in Congress. And here's the funny thing of, that you may not have known. Roe v. Wade was never codified, was never passed by Congress and signed into law by a president. For the past 40 years, it just sat there because, quite frankly, everybody knew that it wouldn't pass. And everybody knew that if it was passed by Congress and signed into law by the president, it probably would have been challenged. And they just wanted to set Roe v. Wade aside. You know, let's let's not really address it because it's very weak. It's very weak law. And if we bring it up to a level of an actual law that was passed by Congress and signed by a president, it probably would not pass the muster of judicial review until today. And then she makes this comparison, how, oh, how ironic that the same Supreme Court allows concealed carry in New York State. But what she doesn't tell you is that the Second Amendment, the right to carry guns is codified explicitly in the Constitution, where abortion is implied. It's an implied right that you have to jump through hurdles, which is what they did to get to legalizing abortion. So there's no consistency in Warren's argument. People's guns right are clearly, they're explicit in the Constitution, whereas you have to jump through hurdles legally to come to some type of conclusion that abortion is legal on the federal level. Now, additionally, the other thing that she says, oh, we're going to take this through polls. And she mentions these polls out there. It says everybody, you know, 70% of people like Roe v. Wade. And I don't think that's true. One, I don't believe the polls. And the second thing, it's all how you frame it. And and people don't realize what has resulted from Roe v. Wade, these late-term abortions. Because quite frankly, if you ask people about late-term abortions, higher percentage of people are against late-term abortions. And again, in one of my previous episodes, I had mentioned that Mayor Koch, the mayor of New York City, when Bill Clinton vetoed a law that was passed by Congress that would have banned late-term abortions, he called it infanticide, which is what it is. He just came out and said, look, we're allowing infanticide today. That's what this law does. And Warren calls that moral. And then finally, the one thing, she, you know, they're, let, let the Democrats push this because they are barking up the wrong tree here because they're going to get major blowback on this. You think Hispanics are running toward the Republican Party? You wait until November because Hispanics are religious, they're moral, they're Christian, and they don't believe in late-term abortions. They believe in family. So keep on pushing it, Warren, because instead of 80 seats uh, the Republicans get, there could be more than 100. So push it. I hope that you do. Now, one last thing about this um, overturning Roe v. Wade, it goes back to the states. Now each state can 
make up their mind what they're going to do with abortion. So those people in the blue states, you still have to raise your voice because laws are coming down the pike in these states, these blue states, that are, will look to codify abortion. So you, guess you still have to raise your voice. It's a big battle that was won today, but there's still more to do. And with that said, I want to give kudos to all of those people for the past 40 or 50 years that have been on the front lines fighting Roe v. Wade, fighting abortions. And one of them is my mother, Helen Maloney. And I, I want to go to an interview with her. We did this right after the word came out that the Roe v. Wade was overturned. And these are the people that were on the front lines on the past 40 and 50 years. These are the people that never let it drop. They believed that they were going to win in the end, which they're doing. And they're the ones that deserve all the credit. And I think my mother deserves to be interviewed by me on this. And I think my listeners will benefit by hearing what she has to say. 40 or 50 years, she's kept this up. So let's go to this interview, and then we'll come back and discuss. Okay, Mom, how do you feel about today's decision? Oh, boy. Uh, well, I think it's a, such a wonderful celebration of life. For years, people have been working towards this day. Millions of people behind the scenes, organizations, praying, and just doing all they can to be supportive of pregnant women, you know, that are um, kind of deciding whether they want to give birth or to abort. So it's a very wonderful day. We're very, very joyous. Now, you've been an active pro-life advocate. Tell us about the time you were arrested in New York City. Oh, my gosh, that was so long ago. Um, well, I was with a uh, pro-life group, and we were over in New York City, and we were in front of uh, one of the um, abortion centers, and we were actually arrested and taken on a school bus and brought to a precinct, but there were so many of us that they had to let us go. There was no way they could do anything with us. And everything was peaceful, and, you know, we were certainly loving and kind. Yeah. Now, what moved you to risk getting arrested? Well, life is, everything begins with life. Our country, our education, whatever we think of, it all begins with life. And if you don't respect life, then the rest is just nothing. It, it's worthless. It didn't matter. We wanted to, you know, save these unborn babies and also the moms. You know, we're, it's, a lot of people think, oh, you're just concerned about the child. But no, we are concerned with the mom, too, that she has the best opportunities and the best life she can have. That's why we'd like to, you know, get uh, beside her and encourage her and, you know, help and support as much as we can. Now, you also spent uh, time uh, at a crisis pregnancy center. And just tell me a little bit about that and how long you worked there and uh, how fulfilling it was for you. Okay. Um, well, I was with the Crisis Pregnancy Center probably about, I would say, 18 years. And I had the privilege of working with many young women. And, and it was just a wonderful experience to be able to come alongside these women and support them, encourage them. You know, we educated them with all the information we had about the emotional, spiritual, financial, and physical things that happen to your body when you do have an abortion. And we, we set them up with different agencies and organizations that would help them continue their education, 
for housing, even choosing adoption. If some of the girls wanted to think about, uh, you know, uh, making an adoption plan for their unborn child. And of course, we did the ultrasounds, which were a great help. We also did parenting skills classes, baby clothes, formula, whatever. There was, there really was no need for a woman to abort because th- there was so many things out there to help her. Mm-hmm. And even for some women that were frightened with the uh, parents finding out, no, we worked with them in that area too. We would invite the parent into the uh, the center and speak with them also. Mm-hmm. How so, important do you think uh, technology was? You can't even mention how important it was. It was usually when a mom sees her little baby's heart beating. When you see that little heart. And those movements, you, you, it changes the whole concept. It's no longer just a little piece of tissue. It is, you know, your child that's growing within you. A lot of people will say, well, it's my body. I can do, I should have the choice of doing what I want with it. But it's not your body. This is a separate body. The child can have a separate blood type than the mom or dad has. And it's just a different little child that this little person needs that nine months to grow and develop and to be born and you know be all that god has for this little child to become you had said that you came across women that had already had abortions and what do you have to say to those women that have had abortions well um it's it's so difficult for them it really is but you know what we have counseling for women who have had abortions sometimes women have had abortions like 50 years ago they could really be way up in age and yet it still bothers them but you know what we have a forgiving god and it's something that the woman can work out between her and the lord and and get peace in her heart because god doesn't want you to go on for the rest of your life when you have a life that could be helpful to other women and whatever gifts God's given you to share with other people in your life and just in your job or whatever. But yes, God is a forgiving God and you can get peace in that area. And we do have counselors and most all uh, crisis pregnancy centers, there are counseling uh, women that are, um, some of them have had abortions themselves and they are really, really good at counseling because they understand all your feelings and um, they can work with you. So just don't think that because you have aborted that, God, you know, God frowns. He, he doesn't like it. He does hate that, but he's forgiving and you can work it out. And um, I just want women to know that. Yeah, I, I find it quite ironic how the Democrats love to talk about science when it goes their way. However, they are science deniers when it comes to abortion. Isn't that ironic? Well, that's so true because uh, they only want you to have a choice when it's profitable to them or whatever. But I just want to say to, you know, people of color in our uh, in our country that they are totally being used by the Democratic Party because there's more African-American babies being aborted than any other race. And they're actually, their race will be declining eventually if they keep, you know, having these uh abortions and the democrats are only using them to their advantage you know and uh, but i'm so happy to see that there are so many african-american people now that are starting to realize what the whole picture is and they're starting to turn away from that liberal attitude that the democrats are constantly pushing upon everyone just to use them now now they're the democrats are talking about potential violence in the streets and violence against uh uh, price, uh, crisis pregnancy centers. What do you have to say to those people that want to inflict damage on those type of centers? 
Well, if they claim to be such loving, tolerant people, why would they even think about doing something like that? And people that are helping other people, you would want that. You would want the best for everybody if you're supposed to be of the party that is concerned about the working class people or the poor. Yeah. It's just totally opposite from what you know they're supposed to stand for. Yeah. I mean, actually, conservative people are the most tolerant people because this is the way we are. We're, we're usually God-fearing people. We want the best for everyone. We want to see other people exceed. And this is the same thing with President Trump. Even though he's a very wealthy man himself, he, he really wants everyone to succeed in our country because when everyone is succeeding, the country is doing well as a whole. And isn't that mm-hmm. what you want? Unless, that, mm-hmm. unless you want chaos. And Speaking of Donald Trump, how do you, as a Christian, how do you reconcile that you voted for him and as well as many, many Christians in this country with Donald uh, Donald's colorful background, and he sometimes curses, and he sometimes says mean things. So how do you reconcile that with your Christianity? I just feel that he was such a good president, and he's a good man. And you know what? Yes, we teach our children not to use bad words and things like that. And, of course, we could still do that. But he is, um, I think he's a God-loving man. I think he's a man who truly, truly loves our country. He loves the people in our country. He wants everyone to excel. I just think he's the right person for us at this time. And I think he is in the next couple of years, too, hopefully, God willing, that he will be. Yeah. Or someone just like him. That's true. I think life is a miracle. We just had a new baby in our family. And um, uh, I don't think there's a reason for women to think about abortion any longer because there's so many... Um, helpful uh, agencies and people out there that are willing to go the extra mile with you. And we just want uh, people of color to know that our whole country needs them and we need to be in this together. We're all in this uh, brotherhood of Americans and we need one another. And we need to, instead of coming against each other and fighting over these stupid liberal things, we should be, you know, thinking of, what God would be pleased with in our country and how we should act, each one of us personally, you know, individually. And um, we don't need a smooth-talking president. We need a president who does what he says, and that's what President Trump did. So I would hope he's running again, and I would he has my vote. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Thanks to my daughter-in-law, Angie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, um, anything else? And I think with this decision from the Supreme Court, that will be an extra special blessing from oh, God. Good. Oh, good. Yes, on our country. And yeah. the states that don't want to go along with that, then you know what? They're not going to prosper. So, you don't think anyway. God, You don't think they will be blessed, those states? No, that's my personal feeling. Yeah. 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 That was good, Mom. So we didn't give the name of the pregnancy center uh, where my mother volunteered for 18 years because of these uh, rumors going around about the violence that uh, these left-wing organizations are going to place on these pregnancy centers and other Christian organizations that are pro-life. And with that said, if there is anyone with an inclination for violence and they figure out where my mother lives, just be warned that my dad will shoot you He's a Christian, but he will shoot you. So be warned. 
Okay, so the Supreme Court came out with another good decision this week where they called the concealed carry laws in New York State unconstitutional. You know, New Jersey has similar laws. And in New Jersey, in order to get a concealed carry law, you essentially have to go before a municipal court judge and you have to show him or let him know that your life is essentially in danger. And anything short of that, you're not going to get a concealed carry license. And New York State's law was similar. So the Supreme Court came in and said, no, that's, that's not constitutional. And I'm quite happy to hear that. And the funny thing is, is this shooter up in Buffalo, I think he made reference to the New York State laws, which influenced his choice to shoot up that supermarket in Buffalo. In the back of your mind, you have to think that if these concealed carry laws were not in place in New York State, maybe that shooter wouldn't have done what he did. And I don't understand, you know, look, the liberals are in panic again. I don't, you know, look, we know what they're doing. We know that they don't like guns because it inhibits their control over you. And I'm hearing these wild stories about New York City. There's elected officials in New York City now. They want to expand the no gun zones in New York City to a thousand feet, or they want to expand it to an area where everything is legal, illegal to carry a gun. You can't carry a gun. It'll be for all practical purposes. There's so many schools in New York City and they want to expand the distance, the no gun zones. And then what, what they're going to do if they do that is that they'll want to bring back these frisking laws. I think they were started by Giuliani, the stop and frisk laws. And remember like uh, how everybody said, oh, they're racist. You're only frisking African-Americans and minority people. But now... If they pass these rules and they pass these laws in Manhattan, it's going to be okay to stop and frisk people now. You watch. If they pass the law, the Democrats are incapable of governing. They're evil. And it's all about controlling you and their own power. Okay, additionally, what uh, Congress did is they passed uh, more gun control. And uh, what they did is they increased background checks from 18 to 21 years old. And it's called an enhanced background check. So what they've done is like, if you were 18, you had to go through a background check, an enhanced background check. And now what they're doing is they're raising that limit to 21 years old. And what an enhanced background check does is it goes back to 16 years old. So what they can do is they can check your juvenile records going back to 16 years old, and any mental records also. The problem with this thing is who's going to make the determination on what you did as a juvenile, whether it affects your ability to carry a gun today. And that's where it makes it so subjective. And that's where the uh, our rights get stripped away. And, you know, it's not clear-cut. And again, it just comes down to these so-called, uh, quote, professionals, uh, many of them with uh, uh, their own political agenda. These are the people that are going to determine whether somebody at 16 years old did something that would warrant them to not have a gun when they are an adult. Now, from what I read, and I, I'm not sure if this is 100% sure, but if you're denied a, a permit to carry a gun and you're 18 to 21 years old, you can reapply after five years. But who knows how difficult that is going to be? You know, again, we're handing over our rights as gun owners to uh, flawed people. 
and people with an agenda. And this is what I don't like about these laws. Additionally, what I don't like about this is that we can send an 18-year-old kid off to war to protect us. But when he comes back home, we take his gun away. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. Um, Secondly, they're closing the boyfriend loophole. Previously, what they uh, used to be able to do is uh, they could restrict your right to use a gun or obtain a gun if you uh, were guilty of domestic violence, and that only had to do between married couples. So what they're doing is they're expanding this to uh, the boyfriends now. And no one really knows what his boyfriend is. What is uh, you know, a boyfriend? Somebody you went on a date with and the date didn't go well and uh, you're going to get back on that person because she didn't uh, call you up for another date or he didn't call you up for another date. I'm going to drop a dime on him and, and ruin his life. This is how it can be abused. I want to point out that with all these rules, these domestic violence laws, think of Amber Heard. Johnny Depp sued her for defamation of character because she was claiming that that she was at the receiving end of domestic abuse. And guess what happened during the trial? It came out that she was the abuser. Not Johnny Depp, but Amber Heard was the abuser. So you think that Amber Heard is the only person out there that's capable of lying? No, there's going to be plenty. So all it takes is a grudge and a dime, and this boyfriend loophole can be abused. And it's going to give states more money for these red flag laws. I think there's a number of states that already have these red flag laws that it allows courts to come in and take your guns away under certain circumstances. And again, this is giving states more money to take your rights away. And the only one I like is the uh, fourth item, which is they're expanding mental health programs for youth and training programs for youth. And this is what I really think we need right now. And I think I said in previous episodes is that we've got to have a me- we've got a mental health problem with our kids. We've locked them up for over two years. They're not socialized. They haven't learned anything, and they're a mess. Well, I'm hopeful that this Supreme Court decision in New York on the concealed carry will have an impact on this most recently passed gun law. Because if local bureaucrats are limited in their ability to deny a New York resident from obtaining a concealed carry permit, how are these bureaucrats now going to determine what a boyfriend is? So can this uh, New York law be extended into covering what these bureaucrats do when determining what a boyfriend is? Or determining whether the actions of a 16-year-old should affect whether that person should obtain a gun when they're 21. So these are all impediments to an American citizen obtaining a gun created by local government. So I'm kind of hopeful that this New York State decision will help mitigate the problems with this recently passed gun control law. So we shall see. So Jeffrey Clark's House was raided by the FBI this week, and it coincided with the J6 hearings that we're having right now. So Jeffrey Clark was the former acting department head of the Civil Division in the Department of Justice. So Clark was instrumental in uh, determining the legality of whether Vice President Pence could temporarily stop 
the counting of the electors. And what do they do? They're now going after him, like the Stasi from East Germany. Our FBI is now the Stasi. They're going after their political enemies. So let me just go to a quick clip from uh, uh, Tucker Carlson. And Tucker is interviewing Jeff Clark. So let's go to that, and then we'll come back and discuss. Armed federal agents wearing body armor with weapons raided Jeff Clark's home. They dragged him into the street in his pajamas. Now, what did Jeff Clark do wrong? Was he selling fentanyl? Was he human trafficking on the Mexican border? No. Jeff Clark did not commit any crime. What he did wrong was calling for an investigation into voter fraud. We are happy to have Jeff Clark join us now. He's a senior fellow with the Center for Renewing America. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. This is a, a, an almost, I mean, this is Soviet account, really. So tell us what happened and why. It is, and good to be here, uh, Tucker. So yesterday at about just before 7 a.m., there was loud banging at uh, my door, insistent banging. So I just rushed down as fast as I could. I you know, quickly figured out you know, that there were agents there. I opened the door and asked for the courtesy to be able to put some pants on uh, and was told, no, you got to come outside. So uh, I came outside. They swept the house. Eventually, they let me go back inside and uh, put the pants on. But uh, then, you know, by my count at one point, uh, you know, 12 agents and two uh, Fairfax County police officers uh, went into my house, uh, searched it for three and a half hours. They even brought along something, Tucker, I've never seen before uh, or heard of, a uh, electronic sniffing dog. And uh, they took all of the electronics from my house. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't blame the, the agents. I think, it, you know, what you're talking about in terms of weaponization is really about uh, who's pointing the agents and telling them what to do, Tucker. Now, if there's any reason why the Department of Justice and the FBI has to be reimagined, this is it. It's like I called it Stasi-like. Carlson called it Soviet-like. It's both the same. This is law enforcement going after the political enemies of those in power. And this has to be disbanded. You have to disband the FBI. You have to disband the Department of Justice. Clear house. Make some structural changes. And I think I said in previous episodes, look, if you just have to pay these people to sit in a corner for eight years, do it. But bring in legitimate people with legitimate policy, change the structure of the FBI, change the structure of the Department of Justice so we can move on. Because Americans cannot tolerate this and will not tolerate this type of, of behavior by our law enforcement, not their law enforcement, our law enforcement. And think about it. It's coincidence. They were talking about Clark at the hearing on the same day that he was I don't even want to know what you, abused? Abused by law enforcement? What do you call this? Harassed? But this has got to stop. Okay, let's take a look at the markets. It was a good week for the markets. Uh, the Dow was up 5.4% for the week to 31,500.68. Year to date, the Dow is down 13.31%. The S&P was up 6.5% for the week to 3,911.74. For the year, the S&P is down 17.93%. The NASDAQ 
was up for the week, 7.5% to 11,607.62. Year to date, the NASDAQ is down 25.81. So it appears that this is just a, a, a small summer rally that usually happens on Wall Street. And uh, there's nothing behind it. Um, it's just uh, sometimes in the summer, uh, these markets have a tendency to just run up. And it'll hit a wall next time the Fed raises rates again. But uh, that's what we have right now. So let's take a look at uh, futures for the uh, WTI. Uh, right now, the uh, WTI futures is trading at uh, 107.06 per barrel. And right now, it's 9.30 p.m. on June 24th, 2022. Gold futures was trading earlier today at 530 uh, at $1,828.10 an ounce, while silver futures was trading at $21.13 per ounce. Bitcoin is trading right now at $21,297.32. Ethereum is trading at $1,219.97. And XRP is trading at $0.37. Cents. And with that said, it was an interesting week this week, and you have a good weekend, and I will talk to you on Tuesday. Thank you for listening.